You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, we're just going to read a few verses, and then I'll, we'll have you be seated, and we'll continue. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, jump down to verse number 7. Verse number 7. And Pastor, has already, he's read some of these verses already and has used these, and it's where I went back to often with this lesson series. Verse number 7 says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, church in the middle of the week, an opportunity to come together and fellowship with believers, uh, just spend some time worshiping you, uh, hearing your word preached and taught, Lord. We thank you for uh, the country we can live in, that we can come do that. Thank you for everyone that took time out of their day after a busy day of work or driving or whatever they did to come and just hear your word taught, Lord. I pray that you'll help me as I speak. Help me to say the things that will be beneficial and helpful for those of us that are here, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as I restudied some of the things that I had done, this again was the passage I went to many, many times. And it's very clear about our responsibilities as far as parents go um, and the older generation passing things down to the younger generation. Uh, God is very specific to the Israelites here on what he expects them to do concerning God's law and what God's word had said. And I, although this is in Deuteronomy and this is the Old Testament to the Israelites, it applies to us very much so today in 2020, New Testament Christians, not Israelites. It applies to us in talking to our children and passing down to the next generation of Christians what God says about what he expects and what he wants. And church is great for that. Sunday school is great for that. Patch and peewee patch are good for those things. But really, ultimately, the responsibility falls upon the house, the home, the parents in the home to give that information and pass down not just the facts and the basic truths of it, but the, the desire and, and the whys, why it's important and why it's something that we do. Um, because as you know, children, as they grow and become teens and as they get out of the house, they have a mind of their own. And they have a will of their own. And they get to decide how they want to view God's word. And how their life will be run by or not God's word. And when they're little, you can tell them whatever you want and they do it. Because they're little and you're bigger. And you can tell them what you want. Just, just because you're bigger, physically you're bigger and they'll do what you say. But as they get older, and anyone that has teenagers, especially boys, as they get older, and you're no longer necessarily bigger anymore. Sometimes they're bigger, and, you know, it's harder to enforce the physical, do what I say because I'm bigger than you. Um, you want to get, like Pastor's been saying, to their heart, right? We want to get to who they are and their view of God. So today we're going to talk about, or tonight we're going to talk about our shaping influences, things that shape our personalities even, but our lives and our view of who God is. And taking this passage, and we'll go to a couple other passages as well, realizing that events and circumstances in a child's life 
especially in their de de developmental years, which I still didn't say it right, prove to be catalysts for making them who they are. If you, all the adults in here, right, whether you're, you're married, single, kids, no kids, look back at your childhood, the things you went through and things you experienced made you be who you are. You're a result, you're a product of the things that happened in your life. Now, a lot of times people use those as excuses to be certain ways and to have certain hang-ups and habits. And although that is partially true, we all know you can overcome anything with, with Jesus' help and with salvation and God in your life. You can overcome anything in your past to be who he wants you to be. But the things that happened in your life, the things that happened around you, the way you grew up, shaped and ultimately made you be who you are today. And when you look at our kids that are in that corner over there and our kids that are in that corner over there, and then the ones that are sitting in here with us, things, their, their, their personality, who they are, how they view the world is still being molded and still being shaped to be what eventually as adults will be who they are. And the younger you start, right, way back there, the more control parents have over that. But as they get older other influences come in and, and affect those things. So by the shaping that we try to do as parents, isn't, it's not automatic, right? It doesn't just happen. You can't just be in neutral and things don't just happen. It's, it's not just the shaping, but it's how the child responds to the shaping and the molding and the direction. When the way they respond to those events and those circumstances de 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 determine you know, the effect it has on them. So it's, you can do everything you can do, but it's their view of it as well. So Deuteronomy gives us our expectations as parents on what we should do. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. I know Pastor read this last week. Every child loves these verses. He gave the example, and I think it was Lacey that was, did not really necessarily like saying these verses out loud. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1, this gives the, ch the children their expectations, right? Verse number one says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. So there's a commandment here, and there's a promise tied to it. And here's a promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And then more for fathers. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So children, it's Kids, children, those that are in the house still that are, that are not on their own, not considered adults, your responsibility is to be obedient, is to follow directions. And parents, our responsibility is to take God's word and God's teachings and pass those down to, to them. Not just make up our own ideas and our own rules and things that we think we should do or they should do, but take it from God and bring it down to them. So those are, that's, that's the order, right? That's what God's plan is. It's for parents to do the right thing, parents to get from God what he has, and children to obey what the parents say. Now go over a little bit to Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. And like it said, those, there's promises there that determine your future. So when that, as, as children when, and teenagers, specifically in here, when that temptation to not obey comes... When the, when the obedience is just not what you want to do, realize that by disobeying, you're directly affecting your future. God specifically says, if you obey, it will be well with you. So if you don't obey, it, it would make sense that it will not be well. 
And he even talks about living long. I mean, no one wants to die young. No one wants to die soon. Everyone wants to live as long as they possibly can. It's a direct correlation to, to children. Obedience will help you live long. It will make things well with you. So you affect your future depending on how you, how you view your parents, how you obey them. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 18. Start there. And this is, again, this is God's order, and we're gonna, I'm going to tie all these together here in a bit with shaping influences again. Verse, seven, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So God gives us four points here, four steps on how he expects the home to function. This is, how, this is God's view of, our, of the home. And if you look at our culture and our world, the home has been shaken, to say the least. The view of home and the view and how people view the home life, the devil has attacked, attacked the home life. Because he knows if he can attack the home life and attack God's structure for the home life, he can affect everybody. Because everybody's part of a home life. But here we see how the home should function according to Scripture. Wives submitting themselves to the husbands, husbands loving their wives, children obeying their parents, fathers not provoking children to anger. This is a very, I mean, it's, it's clear cut, and guess what? This, as Christians, we are expected to follow these steps to make sure our home models and, and is, is guided by this scripture among others. And there, I'm sure there are many times we could take days and instances where we miss that. Right where we didn't do what our role is. We, we all have roles here, and there have been times where we've all messed up on those roles. But to know that God expects that from us when we do make mistakes and we do sin, he expects us to come back and fulfill the role that God has for us. So, bringing that into shaping our, our children and, and shaping influences. The person your children become is a product of two things. Again, his or her life experience and how he or she interacts with those experiences. So the experience of life happen, right? We can't prevent things from happening. Life happens. Experiences happen. Good things happen. We always, when we say life happens, it's usually in relation to something bad happened. But good things happen too. Blessings come. More blessings than we probably recognize come. But good things happen in life. So experiences happen to, pe- to kids, Experiences will happen to all children and how they react to that, how they respond to that in regards to how they view God. And that's our goal as parents. We want their reactions to be based on, their, based on who God is, not based on how they feel, not based on what they think is right, not based on what their heart tells them, but based on God. And the term that I'll use is our, their Godward orientation and our Godward orientation as parents. So I have a few pretty practical things, I think, that can help us as parents and those that are dealing with children. Because, again, if, you're, if you cross paths with kids anywhere, you have an opportunity to, to be influences on them, to shape them to, in, in a good way or in a negative way. And kids, as teenagers, as you feel like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have any kids. It'll be forever until I have kids. That may be true, but you can see from your side how your life might be being shaped. And the things that you allow into your life, how they will shape you. And it may be something that it could be your parents, it could be outside influences, it could be friends, it could be, the, I mean, the TV you watch, the music you listen to, those things shape you. 
They, they, they definitely push you in a direction. So, yes, you may not have kids, but you can see how these things will shape you even still today. So a few things we'll go through. First thing, a family structure or the structure of a family life is a first shaping influence. And we can go through a lot of different things. Is it a, is it a traditional family, right? Mom and dad, kids. Today's world, that's not always the case. Even Christian kids can come from families that are broken. God doesn't say only Christian kids come from families that are together, right? God wants to reach everyone, even ones that may not come from the perfect family. But that will shape their life. That will shape who they are. How many parents are they exposed to? How many grandparents? How many generations back are they exposed to? Do they know? Is it, do they just know their grandparents? Is it two generations? Do they know their great-grandparents? That's, that makes a difference. That shapes who they are. Are both parents alive and live a relatively normal life? That, again, shapes, shapes their view of the world. It shapes their view of daily life. What are the par- parenting roles? Going back here to Colossians, are, do the parents fulfill the roles that God has given them? That matters. So when husbands have a hard time loving their wives or wives have a hard time submitting to their husbands, Realize it's not just you. It's not just you that has a hard time submitting or you that has a hard time loving the way you should. While that is first true, you're also influencing the children in your house on how marriage works. You're showing them this is how marriage is. My, when I look back at my childhood and I look at my mom and dad and then my wife, Lisa, when she has her mom and dad, both, both, we both grew up in Christian's homes we both have parents that loved us and love us still. It didn't change. <laughs> yeah, I know. Had to qualify that there. Um, but our, our, her parents, definitely different than my parents. My parents are very, okay, I'll put it this way. They're, they're South Dakota people. They grew up in South Dakota. They're very just whatever about everything. Where do you want to go for dinner? I don't care. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Ah, eh, you choose. Eh, I don't really have a preference. Just pick something. Be a stand, just make a decision, South Dakota person. Okay, I can say it's because I grew up in South Dakota, but we're very, well, just whatever, man. Not in a, like, California whatever, man, but just very chill. <laughs> Sorry, not like California. I mean, come on. I'm kidding. But you understand, South Dakota is just very laid back. Very whatever, I don't care. Just nothing, oh, sorry. Sorry I got in your way. No, don't worry about it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Right? That's that type of South Dakota. That's my parents. That's what they are. They're great people. I love them to death, but they're very low-key. Lisa's parents, on the other hand, wow, are they wild. You want, you want a wild, crazy night with the tellers? Play some Uno. Just get around and play Uno with her mom. And think, I mean, people will be hanging from the lights. Clouds, cards will be flying. Not because they're mad, but just because they're crazy. They're wild. They're loud. When we were dating, okay, I would, in college, Bible college, and she lived, they lived in Ohio at the time, and I would go see her for Christmas break, right? I think we were engaged at that time. I'd go home and go to her house and see her for Christmas break. You know, I got permission from the school, and her parents were there. And we'd be in the other room, right, just sitting there talking as engaged couples do. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, Sarah. Engaged couples just sitting there talking, staring into each other's eyes lovingly, you know. And all of a sudden, a tennis shoe come flying from the other room out of nowhere, smack as close to me as they can get. And it wasn't her dad, it was her mom. Right? She, that's, that's the kind of people they are. And they knew we weren't messing around. They were just trying to, we're over here still, and we're going to throw a shoe at you so you know. 
way different than my parents, just night and day. Now, you know, you look at how we, that shapes who we are. So my natural tendency as, as a husband, as I grow up, is just to be, and, and get married and have kids, is to be very, you're not necessarily not involved, but very whatever about things. And that's not always a good attitude to have. When you have children and when you're married and you want a good relationship, you can't just be whatever. Like, yeah, I love you. You know I love you. You know that. I don't have to say it. You know it. That's, you know, that doesn't always bode well for a strong marriage. They, your wife needs to know you love her. Not just because you go to work, because you provide for her, but you love her because you tell her and you show her and you do things. But if I looked at my childhood and grew up that way, it would be a little different. So I have to kind of step out of that comfort zone for me to do those things because that's what God tells me to do. So you can see how your childhood family home shapes who you are. And you all have stories like that. You all have stories like that about your parents and his parents or her parents and how the things were different and how you guys had to get used to each other and get used to those things that were just the way they were as kids. But now you're married and you got a chance to make your own home, to make your own feel for how the home feels and how it is. You have the opportunity as parents to do that yourself. And it's great to take things from your childhood that are good, but you know what? What we need to do as parents is look at what God says and say, I don't care what I did as, as a child, what my parents did, good or bad. What does God say I should do? What does God say I should be as a husband? What does God say I should be as a wife, as a mom, as a dad? That's more important than whatever happened as you were growing up. Because I told good stories, but I, we, I could tell bad stories too. We could all tell bad stories about when our parents made mistakes. As, as you're a parent for any amount of time, you will also do. But it's about what God says. So how, how are the parenting roles fulfilled in the home? That's important. When you look at your home, are you fulfilling your role? It's vital, not just for you. Because a lot of time, again, we get stubborn and say, well, that's, he's not doing what he should do, or she's not doing what she should do. But you're, and not just for yourselves, but for the kids around you. That's going to determine what they view as normal. You realize that. Is there other children? Is it just one? How many siblings do they have? Is it all girls? Is it all boys? That'll make a difference. Um, what are the relationships between the children? Do the siblings get along? Right? Does the older one get along with the younger one? Does the middle one feel left out? You know, do this one and that one, do they always get on each other's nerves? What's the age gap between kids? How does the child blend with the rest of the family? These are things that, are, that will shape who they are and shape how they view life. And it's practical, it's simple, and it makes sense, but we don't always pay attention to those things. And sometimes we can miss some of that stuff. But that, that structure of how family is determines how they turn out and what they end up becoming. So as I go through these, just think about your life. Think about your home. You know, if you don't have kids in the house, think about how you can influence those that are around you, children that are around you, or maybe your kids that have kids, grandkids. How can you influence them? These are things that you just look at your situation and say, where, where are we? Where am I? Where are the things we can do better? There always are, but maybe these are things you haven't thought of or need to think of again. So that's the first thing. Second thing is the family values. We all have values, right? And values are just what's important. What's important to the parents in the family? What's, what's important? Um, is it what, what's worth fussing about and what passes unnoticed? 
What are things in the, in the house and that things that happen that cause a fuss? And what are things that are just like, ah, whatever? Go, go by without, without a fuss. What philosophies has the child heard? Right? What are the viewpoints of the parents to, to life? And what's important to them? Are the children to be seen and not heard? Is that a philosophy in the home? That'll shape who they are. Uh, what are the spoken rules? What are the rules in the home? What are the unspoken rules? We all have those. Those rules that aren't spoken, but they're there. And if you cross those lines, they're usually taken care of. But they may not have been initially put out there. Basically, is life organized around knowing and loving God? Right? As parents, as grandparents, as uncles, aunts. What, what is our life? And that goes back to us. What is our life, what is our life orbit? Put it that way. What does your life orbit? What does your family life orbit? Does it orbit God? Orbit God? Say orbit a lot. It's one of those words that you keep saying it. If you say orbit, 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 it stops, starts sounding like it's not a real word. Sorry, I'm weird. What does your family life orbit? Does it orbit God? Does it orbit the Bible? Does it orbit things that are godly? Or do we, does our life orbit around family vacation? Does our, our life orbit around this movie franchise? Does our life orbit around games? What does, your, what does your family life value? It doesn't mean you can't value a bunch of other things, but what's the most important thing to the parents in the house? Is it things of God? If it's things of God, your kids will view things differently. If it's not, if God's just one of the things that is important, but it's not the most important thing. If dad to dad, the most important thing is work, and his job, that's the most important thing in his life, really orbits work, your kids will, that'll influence how they view life to be. Because dad always was at work, he always valued work, and teach them the work is important, but if work is the ultimate, as your children grow up, work will, they'll understand, they'll either have that same characteristic or they'll grow up to resent that work is orbit. God should be the most important thing. Anything in our family, as when your family has values, God should always be at the center of them. And when you have things that come into your life and things that are important to you, and it's real easy to like something in your physical, carnal self that maybe is not sinful, but always hold it up to, to God's word and say, does this, does this fit? And sometimes, parents, it's gonna, it may cause you to prune some stuff that you've allowed to grow in your family, things that be, have become important that have become a little too important. And when you kind of check yourself and look at God's word and say, you know what, this has become too, too valuable to me as a parent, and thereby it's going to affect the value of, to my children, I need to prune that back a little bit and put it more into what God's word is. That's something we have to do often. What are the boundaries? Are there secrets kept at home? Right? That's a big thing. Um, what are the relationships with neighbors? Is it, hey, we know Bob next door, or is it, we don't talk to our neighbors, we just keep to ourselves because we're introverts, and we don't talk to people outside, and we don't know our neighbors. That will affect your children. That will shape their life. That will shape their view of their neighbors someday. Um, uh, how high are the walls around the family? Right? Everyone has walls where you keep your family inside your city, you keep them walled in. How high are those walls? What, what gets in, what doesn't get in? Every family has boundaries. Some are way out there, some are real close, right? But every family has boundaries, and they may not all be spoken, but you have boundaries, and everyone learned, as they grow up, they learn to understand what those boundaries are. For your family, where are your boundaries? 
Where are they set? Because your children, as they grow up, that will be how they view family life. They're the rules that are, you have in place, the things that are okay to do, the things that are not okay to do, the things that are okay to listen to, things that are not okay to listen to and watch, that is how life becomes for our children. And that's how they view it. And they'll grow up in 20 years to be adults that that has shaped them. And that's why it's so important that our boundaries aren't just, a lot of times, based on what we like. Well, I like this thing, so the boundary goes out a little bit over here. Because I, I also like this, so I just let my boundary go out here a little bit. Instead of saying, well, what does God say? Oh, God says my boundary should be here. And so I have to bring my boundary in here for not just my sake, but for their sake. It matters. It shapes who they are. So family values. Next, family roles. And we talked about this a little bit already. But each member has a role. Each member of the family, from dad all the way down to the youngest, there's a role that they, they play. Um, is father involved in every aspect of life, or is he distant? That matters. That'll shape a child's view of being a dad. That'll shape a child's view, especially girls too, of, of a future husband. Dads, if you're close and you're involved in everything, that will shape your, your son's view of what they should be and it'll shape your view of what your daughters want in a man. So obviously be involved. That's, that's the, the key there. But a lot of times, dads, it's real easy to be distant and busy. Be involved. How, how involved are the fathers? Who pays the bills? Mm. Who, makes, uh, who makes appointments for things? Who, who does the cooking? Who does the cleaning? Who does the organizing? Who does the, I mean, sometimes who does the driving? Who does the things that we, the, just the leadership roles, right? These are, these are things that will shape them. And for, for a lot of them, it's like, yeah, what, who drives? Seriously, who cares who drives? Mom or dad drives? Yeah, you're right. Overall, you're right. But I remember, no, I won't say that. Um, sorry. <laughs> Thinking out loud, and that's not always a good thing to do for out here. Um, Things that we do in life affect what our kids see as normal and see as okay. And yeah, paying the bills, they know who pays, but they may not understand, but they know who's in charge of that. And that shapes their life. That shapes their view of what normal is. Who makes doctor's appointments? That, that I mean, as simple and silly as like, what routine as that sounds, that affects who they are. That affects their life. It, it doesn't necessarily make them have to be a certain way, but it, it shapes their view of what normal is again. Uh, the roles in a house make powerful shaping statements. Um, our children looked at as servants, right? Do we teach our kids like, hey, do this. They're gophers. And we do that some. I definitely do that some. And we probably all do that some. But is that the normal main role for our kids? Is that they're just gophers. They're servants. Go get this. Go do that. For me, as dad, do they know how to serve because you show them or because you tell them? The roles in the family matter, and this specifically, especially for the mom and dad. The roles that mom and dad fulfill and do matter and shape our children's view of life. Next, uh, family conflict resolution. Does the family know how to talk through its problems? So we all have... You all can think of, I'm sure, many stories as a child of conflicts, whether it's between siblings, you and another sibling, maybe between your parents together, maybe between you and a parent. Um, there are always conflicts anytime you get people together. There always will be conflicts. But how, how, does, how are they resolved? Does the family know how to talk through things? 
Are problems resolved, or do we just sweep them under the rug? Those types of things, and, that, and parents specifically, between the two of you, if you have a, an issue, a, a conflict, and you resolve it, you talk through it until it's resolved, and you get, you do all the exhausting work and the mental you know, lap running and everything that needs to be done to resolve a conflict, or is it just like, I don't want to deal with it, so away it goes, and we'll not deal with it. It's still there because we've not dealt with it, and eventually it'll come up again someday down the road, and it'll be bigger, but for now I don't want to deal with it because your kids will learn those habits. Your kids will learn to put things off. Your kids will learn to sweep emotional things under the rug because mom and dad always did it. So address, obviously, the, the thing is here to address problems. Are problems solved in a biblical way, with a biblical principle, or by just sheer strength? Who can talk louder? Who has the most persuasive, mean, almost spirited attitude? You know, how are those things resolved? Or is the Bible always used? Um, are nonverbal efforts used to resolve conflicts? Right? There's, there's nonverbal ways you can do things to, to resolve conflicts that don't require conversation usually they're in addition to conversation right but your your kids will pick up on those things are there there ways that you make up when you have a conflict parents and at the end to show that to you each other i mean this is a marriage thing to to resolve that that relationship and restore that relationship are the things that you do are things that you show ways you show your spouse your kids see those things and again, it may not necessarily compute with them, but it, it just becomes the way life is for them. It becomes normal for them. Proverbs 12, 15, and 16 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. How do you handle conflict resolution in your home? How do you make your children handle conflict between each other? That, again, shapes what their view of normal is. I'll quick speed up here a little bit. Um, A child is either trained to be a fool or to be prudent, depending on how we handle conflict. So we're either training them how to handle it foolishly by how we do it, or we're training them how to handle it prudently by the way we do it. And that's where we're talking about shaping our kids' lives, but it all comes back on our shoulders. It all comes back on our shoulders as the influencers to make sure we are setting the example that God expects us to set, and that we're doing things the right way. Because if we're not, that's on, that's on us. Yes, they will grow up and they'll make their own choices. And again, they can have the worst parents in the world that do everything wrong and still turn out to be the perfect Christian, as perfect as Christians can be. But you get my drift. They're, they can have a terrible home life. They can have an awful home life and still grow up to be preachers, you know, perfect wives that are exactly what God wants them to be, God can do anything with anybody regardless of their past. But as parents of children, it's on our responsibility to make sure that we're shaping them the way God wants us to. Next, family response to failure. Just a couple left. How are failures treated in the home? Right? Specifically with the kids or even with each other as um, husband and wife, mom and dad. Are the children made to feel foolish when they fail? Um, Are they mocked? Does family find amusement at other members' expenses? That can be something that's real, that can be easily done without even really thinking about it. Does the family find amusement at one specific member's expense? 
Um, and more, this is more for the kids, you know, like for dads, they're probably fine if the kids make fun of them for being silly or something like that or doing something dumb. Um, but for the kids, man, we don't ever want to make them feel like they're excluded. We don't ever want to make them feel like they're, they're the subject of a joke or that they're a mockery for the family. We've got to be careful about that. And some kids have a personality that they, they goof off, they're funny too, and some they'll be real sensitive to that. So we have to be careful about how, how we handle failure. Um, are they encouraged? Right? When failure comes, do we encourage the person that has experienced failure? The best thing that you do, I think, is are those moments used to teach? Failure is inevitable. Right? You're going to fail. You're going to try things in your life, and you're going you're gonna to fail at them. And they can be practical things. They can be job-related. They can be relationship-related. You know, we will do things, and we will fail at them. Teens, you're going to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, and guess what? It won't be the one you marry. They'll break your heart. You'll break their heart. You'll fail at this relationship or that relationship. You may get a job and fail at it, find out it's not what, not what you're supposed to do, and you're not good at it. You're going to fail at it. And parents, do we treat that as, man, good. Should never have been with him or her anyway. They would just drag you down. And we, we get real serious about it, or when it's a job failure, be like, what's wrong with you? Don't you have the character to just keep doing it because that's what you, you said you would, fulfill your responsibility, right? How do we, and those are ways to approach it, but how do we take that failure? Do we use it as an opportunity to teach, to, to grow, to, again, get to their heart? If we're just talking surface level, that's as far as it goes. We want to get to who they are and get to their heart and, and teach them. You, as parents, you are the most trusted people in their life. Mom and dad, you're, you are the most important, even if they don't think it, or especially as they get older, you are the most important, trusted person that they have in their whole entire life. Their best friend, even though they may think it at the time, as they get older, as I'm sure you did, you'll look back and realize that best friend was dumb. But your mom was smart. You parents are the most important people in their life. And they look to you for that. And that's a lot of responsibility, mom and dad. That's a lot of onus on us to be the most trusted person, to be worthy of that, to, to not be, these are my ideas, but what does God say? What does the Bible say? You keep pointing them to Jesus. You keep pointing them to God's word. You can't go wrong. Can you make mistakes? Yes. But ultimately, the shaping in that direction always is going to be better, every single time. So how do they respond to failure? Uh, lastly, family history. Every family have, has its history. Members are born, members die. There's marriages, there's divorces. Families have social stability and instability. Every family has a history. Whether it's with the parents or the grandparents or aunts and uncles, there's always a history with every single family. Um, some kids have experienced family members that have passed away. Some might be grandparents they didn't really know very well. Some might be parents, right? But every family has some kind of history, and, and, and it's either a stable history or, or it's instable. It can be. Good health or life structured around sickness and disease. Think about growing up with somebody that has cancer or someone that's fighting a, a disease that's just, it's a, it's a constant fight. It's an everyday fight. When you, if you're as a child, as you're growing up in that environment, that shapes who they are. Um, some have deep roots 
Brother Mark was talking last week or the week before how many houses he's lived in and how many times he's moved. His kids were shaped by that, right? Some families live in one house and they are growing up in the house that their grandparents lived in. It's the same house their parents grew up in and they're growing up in the same house. Or some, par- some kids live, live in a house and that's the only house they ever know. You know are the roots deep or are they you know, a little shallow and they move everywhere? That, that shapes who they are and how they view life. So again, a lot of these things are just practical things. There, there's definitely spiritual, biblical things behind all of them. And there's, I, I mean, I threw a lot of things out. And it's probably hard to gather everything and understand everything. And it seems, I don't know, it seems surface level. And in a way it is. It's very surface level. It's very practical. But if you think about the way your kids are growing up, and you think about the things that are shaping their lives, and you realize as parents that, man, you're, you're like 95% of everything that goes into who they are. You, we, need to realize that I've got to make it about God. I've got to push everything that I do to what would God want me to do because not only does it affect my walk with God, but it affects how my kids view life, how they view normal. You know, your kids' lives as normal are probably different from my kids' life as normal just because we're all different. But that affects who they become. That affects, someday, parents, that'll affect your grandkids. If the God allows, if God allows your kids to have, to find someone and get married and have kids and you'll have grandkids, how you raise your kids will affect how they raise their kids. It's a big deal. And it matters. And if we're not always making God part of it and making God the middle and the center of everything. We, we, we get very close to erring on what we think is wise in our own hearts. And the Bible talked about numerous times when people did what they thought was best in their own eyes, most of the time they failed and they went the opposite direction because they weren't looking to God. So two quick things to avoid and I'll be done. There's this uh, philosophy that's it's in culture and, and it applies to Christians too. There's a de- deterministic view which means a child is helplessly the victim of their circumstances, right? That's a view of child-rearing, and it's deterministic that a child, no matter what happens, they're helplessly the victim of whatever their circumstances are. We want to avoid that view. We want to avoid that 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 is not not true. We also want to avoid denial, denial that what we do and how that we impact them in any way, denying that that's truth. Uh, Christian determinism makes parents think that Good shaping influences automatically produce good children. So I'm taking the other side of the coin here for a second as I close. Christian determinism makes parents think that if I do everything right and I shape them and I keep the borders in real close and I do all the good things shaping influences right, they'll automatically be good. And that's not necessarily the case. We can protect them. We can shelter them. We can do everything we think that's best for them. But their response to those experiences is what makes them become who they are. We have to realize that it's not just about setting boundaries and giving them all the best possible things we can. We have to make sure that they also know God. And that's where the heart's involved. If it's all behavioral, it's all surface, and it's all the best case scenario and best situation for them to grow in, but they never get it in their heart, then the experiences they have, their their reaction may be completely different. Always want to show them God. Always talk to them about what's in their heart. Have those conversations. 
have those conversations, and then the denial. If I had only done this differently or done that differently, had done more of this or done less of that, they would have turned out better. That's not the case either. It's always how they interact with life. They choose, ultimately, they choose their attitude towards God. They, always, they choose their attitude towards who God is to them. They view life through the lens of who is God to me. And we could do everything to set them up to be exactly what we want it to be and to, to have our life viewed that way. But unless we get to their hearts and they view God in the way that God is, they can make the wrong choices and they can go the wrong direction too. So we always want to put God front and center so that they, they see that God is important to us and that God is the reason we do the things that we do. It's a lot to do. It's a lot to think about. As parents, it's a little overwhelming, and it can be really intimidating to realize the responsibility that we have. But God has given us that responsibility. Our kids aren't ours. You have them for 18 years, maybe a little bit more, and then God, they're, they're, they're on their own. They're adults. And how they view God when they move out of that house, when they walk out of your house for the last time living under your roof, you, you have influence still, but it's a lot lower than it was when they were at home. And it's where God ranks on their priorities and where they see who God is that determines who they become. So our parents, it's our job to show how important God is. And that means he has to be important to us. He has to be important to everything that we do. So, all right, I'll close there. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.